Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to this word being preached. Amen. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, what I put up there is just, um, well, maybe before even I say that, g- a few of the words were saying that no matter what we're going through, God is with us. Uh, this this week I, I read a, I think it was on Twitter or somewhere, someone someone just said a tweet that um, that went like this. He said, if Jesus didn't forsake you in his greatest darkness, he will certainly not forsake you in your greatest darkness. If Jesus didn't forsake you in his greatest darkness, if he was willing to go through that, the cross, which is the greatest darkness imaginable, then he will never forsake you in your darkness that you're going through now. He's already proven that. And we can, with that confidence, come with him and, 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 and walk with him. And um, I want to um, share a bit this morning about walking, in the, uh, walking the ancient paths. And it's from that famous scripture in Jeremiah 6. If we can just bring that up. Let me read that. It says, this is what the Lord says. Stand at the crossroads and look. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it and you will find rest for your souls. But you said, we will not walk in it. And then a few verses later it says, they have not listened to my words and have rejected my law. Now, here's an invitation from God. And, and obviously this invitation applies to those who do not yet believe in God, who do not yet follow Jesus, who are not yet disciples of Jesus. In other words, they're not yet Christians. Obviously, this applies to them because it's an invitation to join God's road, God's way, His ancient paths. And that's quite obvious. But what sometimes to us is less obvious is that it's also an invitation to those who do know God. Because if you look at whom God is speaking to here, He's speaking to Israel. He's speaking to His people. He's speaking to people already in covenant with Him. People who already have His Word. And that's why I put in those, those, um, those, those, uh, that extra verse where it says, They did not listen to my words uh, and have rejected my law. In other words, they had the law. They had God's Word. And yet they weren't walking in His ways. It's possible to, to have to be part of God's people, like these Israelites, to have God's law, His word, and to not walk in it. I was listening to a, a, a book called How to Read a Book. <laughs> actually, a very good book. It's, uh, I was actually really enjoying it. <laughs> it's, it's a book on how to read books well. And, and the guy said something very interesting. He said, you can actually possess books in two ways. You can possess a book by buying it, and then you can possess that same book by reading it. Just because you've bought a book doesn't mean you have the knowledge and understanding contained in the book. Just because you bought a book and it's standing on your rack at home doesn't mean that book is benefiting you. And likewise, we can... 
You can have a Bible. You can possess a Bible because you bought one. But that doesn't mean you fully possess it unless you actually read it and live it and apply it. Um, and, and therefore, this is an invitation both to those who are not yet part of God's people, who are sort of on the outside looking in and seeing, but there's a different way of life. I'm at the crossroads, and there's a different way of life here. I'm going this way, but there's a way that goes in a different direction, and there's an invitation to join that way of life. But it's also an invitation to us who are part of the church, have maybe been part of God's people for a long time, but who have wandered off the ways of God and followed our own ways because that happens. That happens. Inevitably, in some areas of life, we wander away and we need to be called back to the path. So, what this verse says, it's, it starts off uh, and it says, uh, uh, this is what the Lord says. This is, this is God's word to us. This is God speaking to us. <coughs> Excuse me. And, and he says, stand at the crossroads and look. Now, what is a crossroads? A crossroads is where different wa- roads or ways or paths cross one another. And ever so often we come to a place, whether, whether you're someone who's not yet part of God's people, you're sort of looking at it, checking it out, deciding whether you want to join this new road. Um, the reason why you dis- deciding whether to join this new road is because your road has crossed this road. Your path has crossed this. You came to a crossroad and you saw, okay, my way of life is not the only way of life. There's a different way of life that goes in a different direction. And that is why you're looking at that and you're saying, maybe this way of life is better than my way of life. And, and likewise, when we are part of God's people, sometimes we've wandered off. We didn't even realize we wandered off until we come to a crossroads. And we realize, why is the path I'm taking crossing God's path? <laughs> I thought I was on God's path. <laughs> but clearly in this area of my life, I'm not on God's path because my path is crossing God's path. And when you come to a crossroad, that is such an important moment. Don't miss that moment. Just Don't just go on and say, oh, I'm crossing God's road. I'm crossing God's way and go on with your life. It says, stop, stand still, look, pay attention, see what's going on. We we live such rushed lives. It's so easy for us when our lives cross God's, when our roads cross God's road, to not stop and look and pay attention. And that opportunity to correct, to self-correct, to get back onto God's path or to get onto God's path for the first time. We miss it because we just walk over God's road and we go on with our road. When you get to the crossroads, don't miss that opportunity. And some of you, during this week or maybe during the worship or maybe during the words, God has been showing you you've come to a crossroads. Your road is crossing God's road and the reason why your road is crossing God's road is because you're not fully on God's road. And when that happens, stand still. Look. Pay attention. Don't rush. We live in such a rushed, instant generation where we like hamsters running on a, on, on a wheel, just running, 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 part of the rat race. And, and, and we, we, we feel like, you know, if we stop and think and meditate, 
then we, we're not being productive. We're wasting time, especially in a city like Joburg, where it's all about getting things done, all about productivity. And that's good, and there's a place for that. But there ought to also be a place for stopping and looking, taking stock of our lives. And then, um, and I mean, the, the Bible says this often, like in Haggai 1 verse 5 and 7, it says, consider your ways. Consider your ways. Don't, ever so often you have to consider your ways, and, and especially when you hit a crossroads. You have to stop, stand still, look, and consider your ways. Then it says, and ask for the ancient paths. Ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is. And, and those ancient paths, if you, if you go and read in, in the same book of Jeremiah, just a, a few um, scriptures on in Jeremiah 18 verse 15, if you can just bring that up. It says, yet my people have forgotten me. They burn incense to worthless idols, which made them stumble in their way. And, and, and stumbling in the way can, can also mean stumbling out of the way. Um, in, uh, stumble in their way in the ancient paths. They made them walk in byways, not in the ancient paths, not in my ways, but in byways on roads not built up. So what, what God is saying here basically is that these ancient paths are the paths of his word. They're not mystical, funny, you know, paths that we're going to have, that we have to Look, look for outside of the word of God. It is the words of the word of God, the ancient past. And Jeremiah, and this is just before the, um, before the Babylonian exile, he's saying, you've forgotten the ancient past that Moses taught us in his law, in the word of God. Those are the ancient past that you've forgotten. You've, you, you, you turned away f- to idols. And, and what is an idol? An idol can be an image, yes. It can be a statue. But an idol is anything that replaces God. Anything that you look to to meet your needs other than God. Needs that, that God wants to meet that you say, now I'm going to meet these needs in a, in a different place, in a different way. And that means anything can be an idol. Now that doesn't mean that God doesn't use other stuff, other people and other things. You still need food. God uses food to fill your stomach. You know? God uses people to love you and to hug you. And, 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 and The thing is just, if you start looking to those things as the source, not just the means, but the, but the source of meeting your needs, then, then, then you're in trouble. We should not look to other things for, th- for, for what only God can give us. And we shouldn't... Uh, and, and, and an idol is also something that you worship other than God. Only God should receive our worship. No one and nothing else should receive our worship. Only God. And when we look to other things, when we look to idols, they lead us astray. They lead us on byways instead of on God's ancient paths. They lead us on on rabbit trails. So, what, what, are, what are the ancient paths? It's God's word. It's God's law. And notice it says the ancient paths. In other words, there are paths that are old. We live in a society that is very impressed with the new and very unimpressed with the old. All the old <laughs> people are saying, yes, preach it, pastor. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. 
But it's, it's, not, just, it's not just that, but we've, we've got so used. I mean, when, when we think of the word new, we think we associate with it with the word improved. New, new and improved, right? And we think of the word old, we think of the, uh, we associate it with the word outdated. <laughs> old and outdated, new and improved. Okay, so, so we live in a society and a generation that loves the new and doesn't love the old so much. Sort of looks down on, on the old. But if something is new and improved, what does that tell you about it? It's improvable. It has to change to become better. It has to be improved because it's not perfect. If something has lasted, not only for years and generations, but centuries and millennia without having to change, what does that tell you about it? It doesn't have to be improved. Because it cannot be improved. It's already perfect. And that is what God is saying. I'm calling you back to those ancient paths. In a society, you guys in Joburg, which, uh, you know, you you love shiny new things. That's fine. But ways of life and paths that are new are untested. They haven't stood the test of time. If it hasn't worked for previous generations, why do you think it will work for you? Come back to the ancient paths. That which has always worked and will continue to work until the end of time. So so we must be careful because we're in great danger in the society that we live in because of its love of the new and its hate, uh, 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 well, at least, you know, indifference to the old, of missing the ancient paths that God is holding before us and, and inviting us to walk in. And he says, ask, whether, uh, ask for the ancient past. And then he says, um, ask where the good way is. And it's interesting. I, I'm, I don't think I actually put that scripture up on, on the slide. But let me just uh, read for you uh, Deuteronomy 10 verse, verse 13. Um, very powerful um, scripture. Where, where, which is... I mean, these ancient paths, like I said, it's, it's referring to the law. And, and this is the law. In Deuteronomy, is, is the law of Moses. And, and in Deuteronomy 10, verse 13, it says, in fact, let me read verse 12. And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you but to fear the Lord your God, to walk in obedience to Him, to love Him, to serve uh, the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees that I am giving you today for your own good. Did you hear that last part? That I'm giving you today for your own good. That's why it's called the good way. It's because it's for our own good. I mean, so many people in society, you know, especially popular society, the movies, that kind of stuff, but even Christians within the church, we look at stuff like the Ten Commandments, and, and sometimes we're tempted to think, oh, God's just a spoil sport. God puts all these fences up because he doesn't want us to get to the good stuff that's on the other side of the fence. No. God does put up fences, yes. And he does say, don't jump over the fence. Why? To protect us. How would a society look that did not have the fence of you shall not murder? It would be a terrible society. There have been societies like that in the past, and it was really terrible. How would societies look? How would it be like to live in a society where that fence of you shall not lie? 
You shall not bear false witness. Where that fence was not there and everyone constantly went over it. Let's be honest. All of us tell lies from time to time. Okay? All of us tell lies. We even like telling lies sometimes when it suits us. But we almost never like being on the receiving end of a lie. Why? Because it hurts us. It, it violates our trust. If someone promises something and does not deliver on it, it disappoints us. If someone commits themselves to us within a promise and then they turn around and betray us, it hurts us. It damages us. There can be no relationship without trust and no trust without integrity. So if there were not that command, you shall not lie, there would be, we wouldn't be able to have any relationship, any at least intimate relationship, right relationship. So these ways of God are, are the good ways. It's God telling us to, to do what is good for us, for our own good, for our own protection, and if we say, no, Lord, we don't want to walk on this way, we are actually saying to God, God, I know better than you. I know what's best for me. I'll figure out what's best for me. I mean, when I think about um, our children, um, Kirsten is growing up and she's growing in wisdom, praise God, but her two brothers still have a ways to go, you know. <laughs> what they think is good for them is eating sweets and ice lollies the whole day long well Kirsten we're still weaning Kirsten from that but <laughs> the, playing video games the whole day long we have to say to them put off the computer go outside <laughs> come play on the swing or something run around chase one another or something you know because they think they know what's good for them but they don't always know what's good for them if, if, if they had their way, they'd, they'd constantly be bickering and fighting. And we have to tell them, no, that's not the right way for you. That's not what's best for you. So we are like children. We are like little children. And in the bigger scheme of things, we don't know what's best for us. To some extent, as we grow up, yes, we, we do learn what's best for us as we grow in wisdom. But even us who have become older and grown in wisdom we don't always know what's best for us. I mean, if you, if you doubt that, just check yourself, you know, 10 years ago. If you had to look at yourself 10 years ago, did you make any mistakes there? How many mistakes did you make? How many wrong decisions did you make there? Right? You couldn't see them then. You thought you were making the right decisions. But now, looking back 10 years ago, you can see, okay, I didn't know what was best for me. Well, think about in te 10 years in the future when you are looking back to yourself now. How many places in your life will you be able to see where you didn't know what was best for you? Even though you thought at this moment you know what's best for you. But God really does know what's best for us. He knows the good way and he, and he says, ask where the good way is and walk in it. And that's the, the, the next step. He says, walk in it. Walk in it. And, and walking is often used in the Bible as a metaphor for, for a lifestyle. And, and the reason for that is because when you walk, you, you, you do certain things repeatedly. Right leg, left leg. Right leg, left leg. There are, there's a rhythm to walking. And, and, and God is saying that there's a rhythm to this walk 
on this way of God, on this right way of God that I want you to get. There are certain things that you should do repeatedly. And here I just want to ask you, if you do, firstly, do you have any rhythms in your life? Things that you do repeatedly on a daily basis, on a weekly basis. I mean, coming to church is one of those rhythms. Reading the Bible every day, praying, that, that's, that's, that, that's some of those, those rhythms, that cycle. Do you have those rhythms in your life? Do you have the right rhythms of walking in your life? Are you teaching those right rhythms of walking to your children? Are you teaching it to one another in small group? Can you say to someone, imitate me as I imitate Christ? Because I'm imitating those rhythms that Jesus had in his life. And you can imitate those rhythms in my life. And that walking is, is not just going in a certain direction. It's a lifestyle that, that God calls us into. Now, once again, you can know the way without walking the way okay it's like you know if someone says are you clean and you say i've bought some soap i have soap in my bathroom yes i know you have soap but but are you clean <laughs> soap has been around for thousands of years and yet there are still dirty people in the world just because soap exists doesn't mean everyone is clean just because you bought soap doesn't mean you're clean you need to Take the soap out of its packet, and then you need to go into the shower and wash yourself. Apply the soap to yourself. And it's the same with this. You can know the way without walking the way. Are you walking the way? I think the biggest problem that we have as Christians, especially, and the world will often point a finger in our face and remind us of this, is that we hardly ever do everything that we know we ought to do. I know I'm not the only Christian that struggles with that. I know we all struggle with that. If only we could do the things that we know to do, already we would be so much further and so much better, so much more mature, so much happier, because we'll be walking in the good way. Um, and then it says, um, and you will find rest for your souls. And notice what it says. If you walk this way, not if you know this way, or if you see this way, or if you discover this way, but if you walk in this way, you will find rest for your soul. Every other way that you're walking will wear you out, will burn you out, will weary you. Only this way, the way of God, the ancient path, the good way, if you walk in it, will you find rest for your soul. And notice it says you'll find rest for your soul, not you'll earn rest for your soul. Oh, I'm walking so well, I deserve rest, you know, and, and I'm going to earn my rest. No, it's, when you walk in this way, a natural byproduct of walking in this way is finding rest. And not just rest for your body, but rest for your soul. You know, so many times we go on holiday and, and, and we're tired and we're worn out and we feel burnt out. We go on holiday, we rest, we do nothing, we binge on movies and we sit and catch, you know, fish and do whatever we like doing. And you come back and you're not quite rested. <coughs> because you experience some rest for your body but not rest for your soul. 
rest for your insides, your heart. And, and, and on this road, you'll find rest for your soul. And then we see the response of the Israelites. And <coughs> in many ways, it mirrors our response. And, he said, and, and they said, we will not walk in it. We will not walk in it. So often, our response also is, Lord, it feels like there's so much on this way that I've been walking now, this lifestyle that I've been living now, that I'd have to give up. I'm actually not willing to give this up and turn onto a different way, the ancient paths, and walk on that way. And sometimes we say to God, maybe not as directly as the Israelites did, but in, actually what we're saying is, Lord, we won't walk in it. Or, I mean, that's at, at worst we say we won't walk in it. At best we say, Lord, we can't walk in it. Not consistently. Anyone struggle with that? Lord, I want to walk in the way. I know the way. I'm on the way, but I keep stumbling off it. I can't walk in it. If only we had someone who could help us on this way. If only we had someone who could walk this way with us and teach us to walk this way. If, we, if, uh, if only we had someone who knew how to stay on the ancient paths, who knew, who we could ask, you know, for the ancient paths and for the good way, and who could, we could ask to lead us on this way and even help keep us on this way. If only there was someone like that. I mean, all of us are saying basically that we struggle to stay on this way. So I don't think I would be able to keep you on the ancient paths because I myself sometimes stumble off it. The good news is, there is such a person. Uh, in Matthew 11, verse 28 to 30, it says, Jesus says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for yourselves. Can you see how he's quoting Jeremiah 6, verse 16? And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Come to me. That invitation from the one, the only one, who actually stayed on the ancient paths and knows how to be on the ancient paths. And he says, basically, come as you are. Don't wait until you feel like you are so capable to walk this ancient path. He says, come as you are, weary, burdened, burnt out, come as you are, and I will help you. I will teach you to walk this way, the way that leads to the rest of your soul. There's an old hymn that says the following. I think I put the, the lyrics up there. Let not conscience make you linger, nor of fitness fondly dream. In other words, don't fondly dream of becoming fit before you come to Jesus. All the fitness he requireth is to feel your need for him. Come, ye weary, heavy laden, lost and ruined by the fall. If you tarry till you're better, you will never come at all. I will rise and go to Jesus. He will save me from my sin. By the riches of his merit, there is joy and life in him. So don't wait until you feel like you're doing better before you come. Come as you are. Broken, fallen, weary, burdened, come as you are. And allow the Lord to make you. And, he, and, and then he says, come. Um, 
Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Take my yoke upon you. What does that mean? What does it mean to take your yoke? And once again, it's metaphorical language. Uh, a yoke was often used to represent covenant because a yoke is what was used. And I think I had a, uh, put a picture of a yoke up there. If you can just hold it. There we go. There's a, a yoke, a typical ancient yoke. So you put it over the, uh, the necks of the, the, the oxen or, or, or whatever you, you were yoking, and then you'll, you'll bind them to that yoke. So he's saying, come take my yoke upon you. Come, come jump into this yoke next to me. And the yoke was often used to represent covenant, covenant relationship, because you, in covenant you bind yourself to another person, like with a yoke, like you bind two oxen with a yoke. And, and you, you commit yourself to pull in the same direction. So this represents covenant. In fact, in, in um, Numbers 25, um, Israel commits idolatry uh, with, with Baal. And, and, and God says they yoked themselves to, to Baal, which was, was a false god. They yoked themselves by giving sacrifices and burning incense and so on to, to this false god. They yoked, they made a covenant and they yoked themselves to, to Baal. Uh, in the New Testament, God says, do not be unequally yoked. A believer should not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. Okay? Representing covenant. So, so what is, when Jesus says, take up, Take my yoke upon you. What is he saying? He's saying, step into covenant with me. He's saying what you need to stay on this ancient path, which leads to rest for your soul, you, you need to be bound. You need to be yoked to me. And I, when you are yoked to me, I stay on the ancient path, and you'll stay on the ancient path with me. Don't you think that'll work for you? Don't you think that if you were yoked to Jesus, that you'd be able to stay on the ancient path? And you won't stray or stumble off it. And it's good to know not only that Jesus is stronger than me and I won't be able to pull him off the path. But it's good to know, like Jesus says, I am gentle and humble in heart. I need someone. You know, if Jesus is going to walk with me and yoke with me and walk with me on this path, he's going to have to be very humble. <laughs> because... It's a lowly path that I walk. <laughs> He's going to have to come down to my level. He's going to have to crouch down to, to, to yoke with me. And he's going to have to be gentle. It's good to know that, that if I need to be corrected every now and then, it'll be by someone who's gentle and cares for me. You know, I just want to just challenge you, and, and, and really you need to hear this. Please hear me this morning. So often we have such a wrong image of God. I mean, Jesus here, when he's describing himself, how does he describe himself? What is his, 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 his Twitter tag? Gentle and humble, uh, humble in heart. That's how he describes himself. That's, that's the kind of person he is. So often we think of him as harsh and hard. Have you noticed that in the Old and New Testament, it says that God needs to be provoked to anger his anger doesn't just come naturally it needs to be provoked in fact the bible says he's slow to anger gracious and merciful slow to anger and abounding in unfailing love so his, his anger is not just always there on the surface it needs to be provoked have you ever noticed that the bible never says that god's love has to be provoked 
His anger has to be provoked. But his love doesn't have to be provoked. It's always there. It's always there. But so often we think of God as, oh, his love needs to be provoked and he's always angry. Isn't that true? Don't we sometimes think that? Don't we sometimes walk around with that uneasy feeling, oh, God's angry with me. God's upset with me. God's displeased with me. Do you realize that God always loves you? You don't have to provoke His love. You don't have to make Him love you. Yes, sometimes He will get angry at you because you get angry at people that you love. If you don't get angry at someone, you don't love them. But that's a different sermon. (laughs) I mean, just look around you. Who are the people you get angry with most or the most angry with? It's the people you love most. Come on, let's be honest. Let's be honest, that's true. Okay? But, but God loves us. It's His default position. It's what oozes out of Him without Him even having to try. It's what He is. It's who He is. His anger, His wrath has to be provoked, but not His love. And Jesus is saying, that's me. I'm gentle and humble in heart. I'm the kind of person you want to be yoked to. And he says, I'm, I'm gentle in heart. I'm humble in heart. That's not something I'm putting on. I don't act gentle, and I don't act humble. I'm humble in heart. I'm gentle in heart. That's my very being. And when you walk with me, you'll become like me. That's the kind of person you want to be yoked to. The kind of person who can safely lead you on the ancient paths. And he says, and learn from me. Learn from me. And you'll become like me. Okay, I think I've said enough. I think you get the message. I think this is good news. <laughs> it's not just good news because it's an invitation to the ancient path, which is a good way, which is what's best for us. God doesn't only give us the, the actual road we should walk in, but he actually gives himself to us, to be yoked to us, to be covenantally bound to us. And then he gently and humbly leads us in this ancient path so we can find rest for our soul. Isn't that a good God? Isn't that a patient God (laughs) that would be willing to? I mean, if I had to think of of being yoked to my children. (laughs) Oh, my Lord. (laughs) It would frustrate me so much. I don't know if I'd last a day. I, I mean, if I had to be physically yoked to them. I love my children. Don't get me wrong. I really love my children. They're wonderful children. And I really love them. But being yoked to them, I just don't know whether I have the humility and the patience and the gentleness to survive a day of being yoked to them. And yet, Jesus is willing to be yoked to me. Not just for a day, but for all of eternity. And to gently, humbly, lovingly lead me on this ancient path. So I can find rest for my soul. Isn't that a good God? Isn't that a God that you want to walk with? Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Joburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www.shofar.joburg.com.